for the longest time, I thought we had product market fit. What I've now learned about product market fit is that until you have happy, paying customers that use your product and talk about it, you don't necessarily have true product market fit. Amira, welcome. I, I, I'm, I'm super excited about talking with you. Uh, this is the first ever podcast that I'm ever doing, and you're the That's first amazing. ever guest. <laughs> wow, what an honor. Thank you so much, Asan, for having me. This is, sure. yeah, I mean, the fact that I'm, that I'm your first guest, that is just, yeah, I can't even describe the feeling. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. Where do I start? I want to start with, first, how, do you, how would you say your friends know you? Like, I know you in a certain way, but if, if a friend was here and was to say, here's, let me tell you about Humaira, this is who she is to me, what would they say? You know, my friends would likely say that I'm very ambitious. I'm a go-getter. Uh, I'm a great mom. Loving daughter. I talk to my mom pretty much every day. Um... And just very giving, you know, I, I love to give more than I get. So that's what wow, I think they would say. That's super awesome. Um, it, would that be different when, let's say, you're in a business setting? What, what, mm -hmm. Yeah, what would that, what would be different about that? Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, like in a business setting from other people or in a business setting, my friends? No, like your colleagues. People who are or, not my friends. Okay. Work with, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it would be definitely slightly different. Um, passionate there, you know, I'm dedicated. I am a go-getter. I'm a hustler. Like people often define me as that. What they don't necessarily know um, enough about me is that I, again, I like to give a lot to, um, you know, my loved ones, people I care about, um, and also how loving, caring um, I am. So they would not know that as much because a lot of people just think, oh, when they learn that I'm a mother, it's almost like, wow, how do you do it all? Mm. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, I think they just see me as, you know, somebody who hustles, who's just always there, who's seemingly killing it. Um, yeah, that's what I would, Seemingly that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you are, I mean, I, I get that you, you definitely ooze of passion whenever anybody meets you. I think that's, that's, that's obvious to anybody who, who knows you. Um, what are you passionate about these days? What gets you started? What gets you going in the morning? Yeah, absolutely. So for, we have actually, through the pandemic, we have actually found product market fit that I struggled to find over the last few years. I mean, we have grown just in general, we were growing still, but I now believe that we have finally found the product market fit. Um, and now I can differentiate between problem market fit and pro product market fit. For the longest time, I thought we had product market fit. What I've now learned about product market fit is that until you have happy, paying customers that use your product and talk about it, you don't necessarily have true product market fit. And not just one, not just two, you need to have a lot of people using your product and loving it, paying for it and sharing about it. 
So that's what gets, gets me up at night, or not at night, but in the morning um, is to now we know that we have found that. So growing pains, right? Like how do we scale this? How do we, uh, how do we evolve what we have? How do we iterate so it's better? How do we engage our, you know, happy pain clients? And so, how did you get, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's what really at this point gets me up um, to know that there's work to do. There's good work to do. There's opportunities and just making sense of it all and just making sure that we have a system in place that helps us continue to grow, but also um, learn from it and make it optimize it as we as we grow. Cool. Good for you. So take me back a little bit because you've been working on this how long now? (laughs) Almost three years, just under three years. You sound like, oh, it's it's way too long. <laughs> it is too long, isn't yeah. it? When we start a company, we think, oh, tomorrow, like in one year, we're going to be making yeah. money. I remember my first cash flow projections, Hussein, it, it's laughable now. You know, at the time I was doing these projections and I remember we were basically showing within a year and a half, we're going to have positive EBITDA. Was I wrong? So I think, so to me, it just feels like a long time. And I think, you know, when people talk about, oh, startup successes and overnight success, it takes years to learn how things work, who your audience is, who's going to pay the customer discovery, what actually product market fit is. So when you get to that point, so it's basically all this journey. I feel like we've just launched and all Mm. of this was just research, iteration, you know, MVP, um, so it feels longer than it, it actually has been. So I'm curious, how do you, did you, was there a time when you thought I have product market fit? And then when you really had product market fit, like, oh, so this is what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me Every more about day. that. Every day. Um, the first time I realized that was, you know, COVID had hit. And so we have a networking app that, you know, connects women mostly in the tech industry with each other based on common interests and location for the networking, mentorship, friendship, whatever they want. And when COVID hit, we were actually working with some enterprise clients. Um, We had signed one contract to connect all the women at their company globally, uh, which was great. And they were paying for it too, but we had a lot more contracts pending. And when COVID hit, everybody paused. And it was interesting because in a time like COVID, you would think that networking, meaningful connections would be at the top, right? Like you would, this is like essential. Turns out from a business person, because our clients were corporations, that it actually wasn't. We became a vitamin and not a painkiller. And painkillers would be like, I don't know, I mean, you know, desks, work from home, like whatever setup, right? Yeah. So we were, we went to being a vitamin, which is like a good feel, you know, touchy feely, good feely kind of product and emotional that addresses an emotional need. Um, and also companies didn't necessarily have the resources, you know, our point of contact would be HR as an example. And HR was so busy with whether it's layoffs, whether it's, you know, taking care of their employees as opposed to launching a new service. And so at that point I realized you know, we didn't really have that product market fit because if we had product market fit, people would be signing up because, you know, and, and I had offered you had it to slow free. down in signups then or what happened? 
Like no, I to mean, before. yeah. So we really focused on, I didn't want to, you know, do again, the free stuff, you know, the, if, if, I, if we were venture backed, yeah. absolutely. We could reach out to every company and say, we're going to offer it for this year for free. Just sign up, focus on that. We couldn't afford to do that because we needed, I mean, at what expense, right? I wasn't sure if they would convert in 2021 when COVID was gone, hopefully. Um, and so I think there was definitely a lot of uncertainty. It, it, it didn't, it doesn't mean that I didn't believe in this still. It's just that I wasn't sure if we could have like a sustainable revenue stream, mm. you know, which would, which would take us to the viable, you know, um, business product market fit. So it was, it was interesting. And I remember I'm part of um, a few accelerator programs even today, and they've been amazing. One is Biotech and the other is Microsoft's uh, Women in Cloud Accelerator. So the Biotech one, I remember having our quarterly forum when COVID had hit, I think this, this was April. And I remember showing up to that forum and I was lost, Hassan. I was so lost because here I had a product that I had built you know, over, for over two years um, that would connect women with each other. And we had over 2000, we still have, I, I'm talking like it's done. It's not done. We have over 2000 women working in the tech industry on the app. Um, but for me, it was like, how, how are we going to make money? Sure. I can go out and just make it all about like how we're solving this social isolation problem. You know, sure. It seems like there could be a market for it. Reach out to all these companies and they look, we're going to give it for free. Just sign up, connect your people. Um, but I just was so tired of the free model, especially if you're not venture backed, yeah. it wasn't sustainable for me. And I just was done, you know, even though you would think that I would see an opportunity with COVID and just focus on signups. And a lot of people That's said very this, interesting, right? Like just sign people up, they will and then convert next year. And I was like, yeah. and then who's going to be paying for their, you know, the, the end? it would be me without certainty that I'm going to make my money back, I am not willing to do this for free. Wow. So you had, because we years... still have costs, right? Yeah. So you have two years of, of working on this and you have an opportunity here, but you still wanted it in a certain way. You, yeah. It, it sounds like you wanted it your way. I want to do it, but I want to do it this way. I don't want to like do it just I for wanted free. to see money. What did you, I wanted what to did you want to, what, but, but obviously, I mean, uh, maybe uh, I don't want to kind of guess here on your behalf. Yeah. It's not just about money. What, what did it mean for you to have people pay for it? Like really mean to you? Was it Product validation? Fit, right? was it, yeah. Product market fit is to see, even if it was a dollar, would you, which I don't believe I'm a dollar. I mean, cover my cost, right? Because mm. we have database costs. And I think we all become a bit delusional when we're building technology. There's a lot of costs that go into it, not just the developer cost. Because if you're onboarding thousands of people, we would need to be able to support it. You know, we, we, had, we have built the technology so that it could scale. But it's just that with that comes costs. So who was going to be paying for that? It would be me. And based on what? The assumption that people would pay. I wanted to see some kind of revenue. And, and I think it was just to also validate to me that this could become a viable business opportunity. Mm. And this wasn't just a passion project. You wanted to go beyond the assumption. I wanted to go beyond what I'd been doing. And I know it's COVID and a lot of people said, 
Humera, it's COVID, you know, everybody is like offering things for free. And, and I said, well, look at Zoom. Zoom is not offering it for free. Mm. They are sure they might give you a discount. They're actually making money off of it because we yeah. need it. So if this is something companies need, at what point do they convert? Sure, I'm happy to offer it for free. You know, six months, whatever that is. But will you convert? Can we sign a contract where you say after six months, we will pay? So I think it just, it was just that, that I was, I just wanted to see, uh, see other options. So at that point I was lost. I wasn't sure if that was the, because if I were committed to it, I would want to do it and then, you know, see if through to it where, yeah. yes, we offer for free. Yes. We onboard users for free, but do we convert after six months? Is it a year? You know? And so I, I wasn't sure. I think I, I was just done with the free testing. So that's where so, I was. At. So curious here, you had a lot of people, I would guess a lot of smart people around you advising you and telling you, hey, operate for free and all of that, and you're going against them. And you're you're saying you're lost also at the time. So a lot of probably kind of question marks about what's gonna work, what's not gonna work. Mm-hmm. Very curious about how do you deal with that? I work a lot yeah. with entrepreneurs and I recommend to them that regardless of the advice that you're getting, you're still the CEO of the company. It's still Absolutely. like it's, it lands with you. But how does it really feel? If you can kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we have amazing people around us um, and so lucky to be able to have that. You know, I mean, one of, one of the people that I work with, she's been a mentor advisor for at least a year with us, Alison Twiner. And I celebrate her every chance I get. She's now, you know, she's former... Facebook and Google executive. She's now an investor. She's national vice chair of Heart and Stroke. Amazing woman. And I remember having this conversation with her. And I said, Allison, this is what everybody's telling me. Because people were reaching out to me. They were like, wow, Himara, good for you. Because now you can tap into this, you know, social isolation piece. And I said, You're this like is what everybody's saying. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? But in my heart, I didn't feel that that was the right thing to do because at the end of the day, I have bootstrapped my company. I am mindful of the cash flow. If I don't have that certainty that these people are going to convert, I am not willing to take another risk because what happened? Say like it's, it's been a year after COVID we offered it for free. Now we have 10,000 users. I'm still paying for them to use the product who is paying me. And if, if I don't feel comfortable then are, are not comfortable. I mean, there's no comfort in being an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> if I don't feel Indeed. that there's an opportunity here, like a business opportunity here, then I'm not willing to go out there, spend that money. I mean, my time is money. Spend, you know, go out there, sign up all these people, make sure we have a software developer, at least one person to ensure that the software doesn't break you know, that we're scaling it because we can scale it, but it, it needs to be, you know, we need to up the number of users. Um, and, then the, and then on top of that, they need to be happy, right? So you still have to deliver, right? Yeah, you still you have know. to deliver. And at this time, and I, and I will say this, like I talked to one of my other mentors, Mark Grambart, he's with Viatech. And he said this to me, I said, Mark, I don't feel good about this. I don't want to do this. He's like, and you should not. People will, people are still buying. People are buying for things that they need. If social isolation is that big of a deal, then companies should pay for it. They are still paying for things. Excellent. 
And that's when I was like, yes, because that's because I think as an entrepreneur, you know, if you have a conviction, if you feel something, you want validation on that. And when you hear other perspectives, and we do, we still do, I still hear from everybody who I admire, but sometimes they're not in your business. They don't know everything. They don't know your audience. They are, you are more knowledgeable than they are. So I think sometimes you just have to listen to our intuition. And I can tell you, Hussein, best decision I made. <laughs> Day we might have had, even if we assume 10,000 users. Would they be paying right now? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And maybe they would, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't lead us to where we are today. This is, this is actually really crucially important to have somebody who you trust, who will give you, who will validate, but also you know that he's not validating because they like you. Absolutely. Right? They're not just trying to, to kind of agree with you. They are challenging you as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you obviously as an entrepreneur, you get a lot of ideas and along the way, you know, you get, um, you have multiple directions. What is your process to choose, let's say, what works and what doesn't? Is, mm-hmm. it, is there a process? Do you, do you run certain tests? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, after having been doing this for a few years, I can tell you that I will, if, if I believe in something really strongly, I will absolutely go with the fail fast route. Make sure that if I believe in it, I want to try it out. I want to test it out. I'm happy to put myself out there, happy to fail if that's what it leads to. Um, but, you know, definitely having that experience, I can start, I, it's amazing because now I can have another company tomorrow without all the barriers that I had before, because you learn so much along the way of building one startup. And the process now that I have, which actually is so relevant to um, where we are today is, so what we did was, I mean, you need to do some customer discovery. You need to know something. You need to be addressing a problem big enough that doesn't only affect you and your, you know, people around you. It needs to affect a mass, you know, on a mass scale. And so what we did was uh, when I was kind of lost in this time and I I decided, I said, look, this is what I want to do. I want to help women. I want to create equitable future for women in the workplace. There are other ways of doing it too. And I wanted to see, you know, networking is great. I think it's great, but I also realized that networking means different things to different people, you know, to a salesperson networking means, okay, I'm going to go get more sales, sales Mm. leads or referrals or whatever that may be to somebody who's looking to break into tech. It's to perhaps get to know more people in tech so then they can learn about the industry, perhaps get a job. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting. So networking is different to different people. Um, and from me, for, for, for me, always, I just looked at networking as being able to connect with other people, women in particular, to exchange ideas, to share our journeys. Perhaps what I was always looking for was that peer-to-peer mentorship, that guidance that you need from somebody who's not a coach, but somebody who can just tell you, like, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. And then assess that, right? So um, I always wanted that. And in, in the end, we ended up creating a product um, which, which did part of that. But a lot of it was just networking, you know, women just wanting to connect with other women. Because as you transition, 
you know, whether it's your career, whether it's your life, just in general, as you transition, um, have a life transition, you want to connect with new people, people who are in similar stages as you. So the app still works, you know, people still use it. But for me, I was like, where is the most value and how can we make money? And I know we're in COVID times, but for me, it was like, there has to be a way. We need to find a way where people not only use our product or service, but they pay for it. They find enough value that it becomes a painkiller and not a vitamin. Mm. So what we did was, um, you know, I, I looked into the data. I mean, we have data. We have so many members. And I looked at the, the basic thing of onboarding. And within the onboarding process, we always ask, are you here to, why are you here? And, and, the, and the options were find a mentor, find a friend, you know, just general networking, mm. be a mentor. And we learned that 87% of our members had chosen find a mentor. And these are women in the tech industry. And then we had 30% of our members wanted to be a mentor. And so that's where I was like, okay, well, mentorship is clearly, I mean, it's, it's helped me so much in my life. And there's so many mentorship platforms. And I, and I just thought about, okay, what would, and, and some women were getting that through our app. It was to self-serve, you know, you decide what you want and you see matches relevant to you and you can connect with someone and say, Hey, Jimena, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in this area. Would you get coffee with me? So this kind of mentorship, right? But it's self-serve and things that are self-serve don't necessarily have the same result as, you know, unless you are, I don't know, like a Gmail or Google, right? I mean, so they, they would connect, they would find themselves. What do you mean? Yeah. Is that they would find and they would ask for mentorship. And you exactly. looking, it sounds like you're looking for a certain way to facilitate that even yes. more add value. Okay. We wanted to facilitate that because what is the hard part of getting value from that mentorship? It's the hassle, right? It's like knowing that it's the right fit, hmm. knowing that my sessions will happen that person will show up, whether it's a mentor or mentee, right? Yep. Knowing that there is some kind of growth track, tracking, that yes, am I learning? Am I getting the guidance? Or is it just another coffee mm. that nothing comes out of, right? Yep. So, so we wanted to see, so this is where I thought, okay, what if, and I never wanted to do this and we should never say never, because I remember talking to somebody last year and they said, why don't you do manual mentorship and just see if there's value? Will people pay for it? Why don't you just provide this as a service? You know, because you have connections, you can do it. And I was like, I, I didn't build a technology company to do stuff <laughs> manually. And I think this is where we get in, you know, in our heads and we, we just want to be this tech company. So what we actually ended up doing, I hired an intern over the summer, she had wanted to work with me for a year. And I was like, you know what? You still want to work? Great. A lot of subsidies had opened up. I hired her and I said, look, we want to do, I want to, I want to see if we could actually do mentorship. It will be facilitated. It will be a fully managed service at this time. And what we're going to do is we're going to pre-screen both the mentor and mentees. We're going to find the match, the right match based on different criteria, which is our secret sauce. I mean, it's not a big secret. It's just really based on your vibe, your energy, personality, and the areas of growth that you're looking for or guidance. In. 
And then after we match them, we are going to do everything. We are going to send that Zoom invite, make sure both parties are attending at a time that works for them both. And then we're going to do feedback because we want to learn, like, are your, is your growth on track? Did you talk about the topic that you initially set out to talk about? What did you learn? Yeah. And so that, so, I mean, it sounds, now that I look back, it sounds like a lot. In one month, we put together this program. I reached out to a couple of companies that I had already worked with, with, you know, the networking side. And I said, look, give us a few, just a few women per company, whoever wants to volunteer to participate in this program. And we're going to do everything. The only catch was after this first month, if this is successful and they want to continue, you will pay as an employer for your staff. And they said, sure, absolutely. And I think with COVID, I think it accelerated a little bit more because companies are looking for employee engagement. Mm. Um, and especially with women, it has affected women disproportionately. And so helping, you know, providing them guidance where they need it the most was what we were doing. So they were like, sure. And so that's how we started. We started with 10 mentees, 10 mentors, and we did everything you know, pre-screen, got those intro calls, like, what are you looking for? Basically, Zoom calls, right? Just get to know the people, write down that, you know, this is their personality and like basically everything. And then based on that, I reached out to my network of amazing women. And I said, look, I think you would be an amazing fit for this person. And started to onboard those mentors, 10 mentees, 10 mentors, started to make the match. And of course, we've learned a lot. But Throughout that process, I was always mindful of, okay, you know, this is great. This is going well. Guess what? None of the women wanted to leave. Employers had to pay. And we started at $35. We're like, okay, let's do $35 US a month. So that's, that's cheap, right? And then we realized, okay, this was not going to work. We need to charge more money. And so we increased it to $100 US. So it's amazing from zero to 35 to 100. Women still didn't want to leave. So companies had to pay. And then from there, they had to expand because they cannot be offering this to just a select group of people. So then they started to offer it and expand it. And then I was like, oh, wow. So then we focused on, okay, this works. This really works. Mentors are happy. We don't pay our Mm -hmm. mentors, but we also do professional development for them. So every quarter they got, you know, so we had to think of like, what's in it for them? Sure, they want to give back. I want to give back. So many people want to give back. But how can we make it so it's sticky for them? that they want to continue to give back mm. without us having to pay them because That's we couldn't afford question. to yeah. right? So anyway, so we started to work on all of that and constant iteration, optimizing what we have, you know, and then automating. So that's what we're building now where it's, and we know it's going to be a web app because yeah. we cannot do this from the phone. I mean, sure yeah. we can, if that's the only option, but this is where most of the people will be spending time mm. on, Right. And so, so a lot of decisions went into, you know, getting to, to where we are today. And now we have 10 corporate clients. We're growing. <laughs> We're eight people. Good for you. I remember Hussein being actually after we paused development, the only person, the only person. And that's okay. Because that gave me the chance to really think through what I wanted to do and not build features just because I wanted to keep people on payroll, yeah. not build features because that's what everybody expected me to do. And so sometimes I think COVID can be good. I don't mean that, <laughs> but I think sometimes, you know, these life big events can be really good because they give you a chance to reflect, pause, see where the most value is, mm-hmm. get out of your head, take a step back, look at the data, 
Um, and it's interesting because I always said we want to be a data-driven company, you know, data-driven, people-powered, whatever, tech-powered, whatever company. But it's interesting because we, that, that was the time when I really took a step back back in April and May and really looked at what, how, so we still want to connect women. We will still do that. But how can we provide that instant value that actually helps women grow and in a way that nobody else does? Because we need to be the best in this or we need to grow really fast. And I decided to be on the best at this learn. And I think that was the best decision because hopefully, um, I almost want to bite my tongue, but in Q1, (laughs) we will be profitable which is insane, insane to think about that we could be a profitable company. Um, just because, you know, it takes companies forever yeah. um, to reach that profit. But yeah, I mean, that's lots such of a, learning. Such a, such a good process of um, trying to emulate the, the service yourself so that you don't have to worry about building the tech to do that. You, you wanna find what do they really need how do you, how do you actually match it and all that gives you in-depth understanding and then you can actually transition that to tech were they i mean from one person to now eight and all of these ups and downs and all these thoughts were there some dark moments where you're like oh my god this is not gonna work or what do i do and how did you get through that i mean that also goes back to like you test every day you you know fail on some level every day you succeed every day but I think the dark moments are always there. I mean, sometimes they're really heightened. Sometimes they're kind of, you know, just kind of on the down low. But I would say the biggest thing that I've also found through this process, there's the, the fear is always there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is actually pretty empowering. The fear of, you know, what if tomorrow, like we sign, you know, enough clients and we don't have enough mentors mm-hmm. or tomorrow, if like two of our key people leave, what am I going to do? Um, there's always different types of fear, but I think that also fuels you as an entrepreneur, because you know, that that is an area of discomfort. And that is an area, like if you navigate that, you're only going to come out stronger. Yeah. And so I think the dark moments I would say was, you know, when we first started to test it out, it was like, okay, well, $35, like it's a lot of work to onboard companies, make sure everybody's happy doing intro calls with everybody. Uh, Cause we also wanted to delight these amazing women to make sure that their experience was stellar, that they couldn't even think about leaving us. Like that's what we wanted to do. And to continue to do that is hard to scale, you know, and it's, it, it's hard to do well all the time. So, you know, that was like the initial fear. So I was like, okay, well, good news is we have a lot of subsidies right now through the government. We have a lot of offerings. We can tap into those and continue to grow. And it's hard because going from one to eight is a huge, huge, huge jump. Um, Because now not only am I selling, I am also a lot of companies are signing up because they trust that our brand can deliver because they have seen us around because a lot of women in tech initiatives just fail because oftentimes they are not for profits or, you know, like if there's no funding, they're not doing it or they're, you know, backed by big corporations who have all of a sudden decided to pause the deployment of capital or fund you. So I think because we've been, we've been around enough, enough time, people know me, they know that, okay, Humana's, she, she, she can do it. She'll, she'll do it. So I think that trust was huge. 
but also in that process, you know, the fear of what if we sign up these 10 companies and we can deliver, whether it's mentors, what if mentors tomorrow start asking for money? What are we going to do? How can we make it sticky for them that they stay? How do we make sure that our team members are delivering on the promise of, because people like me, I know that. I can clone myself. It's good that you know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, I mean, like it's <laughs> people signing up. It's like, they trust that I will do it. You know, they trust that if Humera's behind this, it's not going to be another startup that's just started and there's going to be more headache than actual results. Did that create its own kind of pressure? Because you, yeah. you, you kind of... Uh, create that that things like people want to be around you and work with you yes. and expect certain level of let's say of upbeat you know you're always you know uh good to talk to nice mm-hmm. you know nice always always passionate but in the back in the background you must have like times when you're like so overwhelmed and like yeah you know, have all this all pressure the time. on you all the time and i think that was the hardest thing to also think through that I'm okay. Like I love what I do. I truly love what I do. And I'm also really passionate and dedicated to ensure that we don't stop because I have two daughters and I want to make sure that I do enough good work that it translates into hopeful, um, you know, equitable future for my, my girls. Right. So I, so for me, like this is, I will always be doing in this space of, you know, social impact, empowering women in whatever way that I can. Um, and so this is, so this is who I am and this is my personality. The problem is to scale. It's not, we're not going to have a small business. I don't see this as a small business. I want this to be a scalable, you know, venture that continues to grow. Right. I want this to be a scalable company to do that. I cannot be cloned. And so just even realizing what kinds of people do I need to hire, even testing with those, You know, I don't, you don't need to be like me, but I think you need to come from like that place of like, you need to be likable. So, so, so just even hiring for the right people in the jobs that I was doing. So whether that's intro call, I still do a lot of those intro calls with each person who's signing up, because to me, that's really important. And through that, I've also learned a lot. Like, what is it that makes me think that this person person's personality would be a good fit with this person's personality. So documenting everything, making sure that it's a process-led growth, product-led growth, and not Humera-led growth, because we can only (laughs) do this for so long or so far. Um, So I think those have been my fears, but also then trusting the team members, learning to let go, making mistakes along the way. And I can tell you, even today, I get on a call, I will close that deal but my people may not at this time. So training them, investing in their training. And of course the fear is when they will go, you know, people, people join startups, they learn and then they go. Um, But anyway, so I think there's been a lot of fears along the way, but, but my biggest fear is not being able to deliver um, in the way that, you know, that, that actually helps women advance, that helps companies see the ROI, because we, we basically promise employee engagement, we promise their growth. And it just again, there's so many moving pieces to this. It's, you know, delighting not just the people who are funding, but also people who are going through it, also our mentors who are providing that guidance, 
also making sure that the process is so optimized, it runs like this well-oiled machine. And if we break it at some point, we learn what breaks it. So I think there's just so much and that is what keeps me up. And also, you know, um, being mindful of our growth, not grow too fast, like not sign up, say hundred companies without mentors. And it's like, essentially it's become a double-sided marketplace. Yeah. So I'm hearing from you that you, even though it's a tech company, it is a people's business. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. about who you, who you choose, how you treat people, the kind of people you onboard first, the tech powers yeah. all of that, but it, yeah. it doesn't overpower it. No. And I don't think we can ever be too, because I've looked around because now we're in this mentorship space and I've looked around what kind of mentorship platforms are out there because they were never a competition for us. We were, even though we were connecting, it was a different type of connection. It was more networking, self-serve, whatever. Mm. Now our competition landscape has changed completely. We now look at Mentor Cloud. We look at Torch. We look at Plato. Like we look at all these companies because they offer mentorship. We look at what do they do really well and where do they not do well? Can they keep their people, like people as in um, their clients, can they retain them? And if yes, what is it that is making them retain them? So, you know, just having a new competitive landscape has been actually really, I've actually loved it. I feel like we have a new startup within a startup and which it kind of is, but, but it's interesting because we want to also, you know, when you people say, oh, find your, like where you are in that matrix, um, it's very easy for us to actually see that now. And it's pretty empowering to be able to say, yes, this is where we belong. This is what nobody does. And I think, which is why I always say we're never, I mean, I, again, I shouldn't say never, but I don't see us being that, you know, hundred percent powered by tech, that low touch company. I don't think we will be that because what we're providing is this guidance in male dominated industries. We will always need that some kind of human touch to it because it's a personal thing. Guidance is personal. Mentorship is personal. It affects people personally and professionally too, but still. Um, so I think we'll, I see us being more on the, even as we continue to scale, you know, there's a lot of things that we're looking at, even building, they're going to take a lot of the intro call out. We might do just little videos, like answering certain questions, just show a personality. We can scale a lot of that, but I constantly think of us as a company that will always have that human touch. Um, so we won't be like a Twilio or, you know, whatever that's super, you just sign up, everything is automated, right? Mm. Like we will always have that human touch, uh, which I'm okay with, you know, um, I still believe we can continue to grow, um, and even be a hundred million dollar company. I don't doubt that for a second. It's just how we get there, how we execute, how we continue to delight our customers that they, they, they help us grow. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's been a lot. It's been overwhelming. There's been a lot of, I wouldn't say like dark as in scary thoughts, but definitely a lot of um, thinking through reflection of like, how are we going to, this, this works really well. How do we, how do we scale this? So that is what worries me is that I want this to be a scalable venture to be able to make the social impact that I want. What would you tell your, yourself three years ago that you now know? like hey don't worry about this or I wish you didn't do that (laughs) yes oh (laughs) my gosh Hassan do you have all day um (laughs) one I will say this you know do not rush into building technology just don't even though it sounds amazing it sounds like 
the right thing to do, you know, sexy to talk about. This is what we have. Our technology does this. This is our back end. This is the infrastructure. It's all crap if you don't make money. Okay. For me, what I would do differently, I mean, of course, it's, it's hard because I have learned through my journey what I know now. So it's hard to say, but if I had this knowledge, I would just do it a lot of things manually. I mean, sure, networking would be hard, but I could create a Facebook group. And I know it's, it sounds shitty, but create a Facebook group. Engage it so much. Interesting. Grow the audience there. And then say, look, we're launching an app. Because then you would have actually had these people. You would see their problems. You would see how you could be the only solution that Facebook doesn't offer. And so I think doing that homework, doing the hard stuff, get out there sell what you have, sell what you can, see if this provides value, and, and then go from there. Um, I think a lot of companies make that mistake of just, okay, we have this idea, let's build technology. And how do we build it? We look around, we look at, oh, Facebook does this, competitive landscape, this is what they have, this is what we have, what do we want to have? Hmm. So it's a lot, of, a lot of times derived by what's already out there, um, and you're not solving the problem. You have a problem market fit, which would be any tech company, even if it started today, we all have a problem market fit because there's a problem we want to address. But we don't have a product market fit until you have paying customers that continue to pay you. You have monthly, depending on your business model, like for us, it's like monthly recurring revenue. For us, retention is important. For us, referrals are important. Until you have that, that technology or service, whatever you want to call it, to which people not only use, they pay for they talk about it and it actually helps them and makes them better than they were before your solution. So that's what I would tell myself. A lot of, a lot of lessons learned there. Uh, um, I have, I, I'm curious about, I'm very curious about a couple of things. Number one, um, how is it different when building technology for to, to help women in the workplace and, and what can somebody like learn about that and, and know about that that is different than let's say for other people, uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of us who like, oh, building technology for everyone. Is there, yeah. is there some differences uh, and what, what, what do those women kind of need? And because I remember you talking about that, the reason it's stuck in my mind, we, we talked about that and there, is, there are all these kind of you know, systems to help people at the workplace but yeah. women still needed something different. And I yeah. remember you talking about that. So can you speak to that a little bit? It's absolutely evolved um, since our last conversation probably, but I would say that a lot of times technology is built by men, built by men trying to solve problems for everybody. You're not everybody. You're coming from your own perspective. You're coming from your own experiences. You're coming from experiences of, like, even today, if we think about like all these huge successes, technology successes, they're built by men. And how can they solve a problem of a demographic that they don't even relate with? So I think, and this is a systems problem, I think because we don't have as many people building products and services for people like them, I think now that's changing, which is great, but you're not necessarily, you don't even know the pain. If you don't know the pain, how can you build something that will 
help address that pain. Mm. So I think definitely with, and actually, if you look at the numbers, it's actually worse than it was, you know, I mean, what 20,000 women have dropped out of the workforce since COVID in Canada and 40,000 men have joined the workforce. And I'm sure there's further details there, but I can attest to that. It's our challenges are different. So maybe a company thinks as an example, that what Humera needs right now is, you know, a COO, which I would love, by the way, you know, a COO, as an example, in my, you know, a lot of people external to me would say, oh, if you had a COO, you wouldn't be doing everything. What Humera actually needs right now is nanny care. Maybe somebody to come clean my house every day. I have OCD, you know, so it's like for me, like I need tidy space. So good news, my office is my space where it's like the door's locked, everything's tidy, I'm good to go. So it's like, I need those things. So as a, so this is just an example, right? There were what you may think my needs are might be slightly different than what I actually need. So if companies think, um, if I work at a company that, you know, Himera, oh, you know, she doesn't speak as well. Maybe she needs public speaking training. Maybe the problem is that I don't feel comfortable around all the people because nobody looks like me. And I always doubt myself that even if I get all this training, it's not coming from within. I've learned how to speak. So the, there's the tips or the structure or whatever that may be. But until I feel, you know, really confident in this setting, I am not going to be able to deliver to my fullest potential. So I think there's, so there's definitely that lived shared experiences that a lot of people who build technology don't necessarily have. And you can do a really good job if you actually have had that pain that a lot of other people feel. And you build technology for that. So for us, it's really personality is extremely important. That's part of our magic. You know, it's not just, oh, I think I learned mentorship from Hassan because he's done this before. Like, no, what makes Hassan unique? You know, so that that's kind of what I would yeah. say. Very interesting. I remember working on a team, uh, an events team. And um, just just a simple example of when when chosen the uh, the speakers that are there. And I looked at the speakers like, oh, we have a great set of speakers. And then the uh, the women on the team, they said, we have no women on the speakers and it didn't even occur to me. Yeah. So it's things like that, that it's not it's it, some people kind of think it's like, oh, it's because, you know, you're a man. No, it's, it's just sometimes that we don't think about it. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. some people think of in a certain perspective, what do you need for your work? You need that position, the COO. Whereas yeah. you're looking at the totality of your life and what you're missing in your life. So I think, yeah, we, we benefit a lot from having a different perspective. And that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, the second thing I want to ask you about is you started, I think, was it last year or the year before it, you started doing these videos? And I want to ask you about that because it, it sounded like you wanted to connect with people about your journey, what you're doing. Um, I think you're still doing that. Yeah. How's that going? What, what, what came to your mind to kind of think, you know, to start doing that? How did the idea come about? And I mean, mm. you're someone who's comfortable with people, but yeah. how did it start doing video and where is it right now? Oh my gosh. Yes. That's such a great question to Sam, because I get asked this a lot because people say, Oh, I don't know how you do it. Like, cause I always say, get there, get out there, get on LinkedIn, do the videos. And they always say, well, it's easy for you. And let me tell you, it was not easy for me when I started. I remember my first video, honestly, was like my phone, like down here, the worst angle. And I did like the five or six takes. And I was like, okay, fine, I'm exhausted. I'm done. This is what I'm putting out and I'm going to see what happens. So I would say that, I mean, for one, I do different types of videos. Um, I always want to see also like, how am I bringing value? So always thinking of, okay, is this the content that 
I want to see? Is this the content that others want to see? You know, is this going to help them be better than they were before? Or is it just me out there rambling? Sometimes I do that too. Um, but I really think it's, I think it's the intention. Like what's the goal with these videos? For me, I started doing videos actually on LinkedIn, especially um, in 20, I believe that's when I started Locale. I was like, I'm going to be mindful. And it started with somebody I met at an event um, at Biotech. Her name is, um, oh gosh, I, uh, I forget. Oh, she's amazing. Anyway, I'll probably remember it later. But, but this woman came up to me and I was like, when I was starting looking, I was like, you know what? I need to maybe hire influencers. Maybe, you know, they need to talk about locale because they have following. And I remember she looked at me, Hassan, and she said, you are the influencer. And I was like, what? I was like, me? Like, no way. And she said, because I've seen you talk. We were, again, as part of this like uh, tech accelerator intro meeting. And she said, there's a reason why you're building this. That needs to be shown. You need to talk about your story because it's your credibility. You have an amazing story. You come, you came from Pakistan. You've, you know, you have a software engineering background. Like you need to talk, you are the influencer. You are who I want to hear from. And I remember that. And I was like, but I don't have the confidence. I could barely speak Hussein. I remember it would give me shivers just even going up and talking about what I was doing. I felt like I didn't belong and it was hard and I believe even today, I'm the only woman in the biotech accelerator. So just even thinking like, I don't belong here. Um, and I remember when she, what she said really stayed with me. And I thought, okay, if I want to be the influencer, then I need to get out there. I need to put myself out there. And if I want locale to grow, I need to be able to share my story and my vision. Otherwise, nobody's going to believe in it because I'm not this huge like Silicon Valley, you know, um, <laughs> born with a silver spoon person. So, um, so yeah, so that that's that was the motivation behind it. So I would always credit it to her. I believe her name is Melanie, but I'm not sure. Um, and so, so then I started. So I did that one video, and I remember my father-in-law after I put that out there, he was like, "Oh, good content." A lot of people actually liked it. They resonated with it. And he said, you know, that was a good video, but it wasn't good quality. Like, you know, you need to better that. And I was like, I'm just starting. Okay. Let me just do this because I don't have the time. Cause the moment I'm like, okay, I need to have this, all this beautiful setup and like good lighting and good camera, mic, everything. I'm done. I don't have the time anymore. And that's, so that's, that's so good. If I may kind of, yeah, absolutely. This. That's so good about you that you sometimes push back on and I emphasize this with entrepreneurs, you hear the feedback, but you also push back on what doesn't make sense for you right now. You hear it and you push back. I noticed that about you. Please continue. Yeah. I, I well, I just had to because I was like, yeah. I just thought of everything. And I said, in terms of logistics, I will not get the chance to do it. If I have this, this, this thought and I want to share it with the world, then I want to do it now because I'm feeling good about it. And so now, of course, I can make better setup, you know, lighting is better now and things are, it, it takes time. But I think people just put yourself out there and then see what happens. I will guarantee you that if it's your first video and you don't know what you're talking about, but you're coming from a place of wanting to be better at it, people will support you. They will feel it and they will help you because we've all been there. Yeah. Um, and ask your, ask your network. I think this is the one thing that I struggled with for a long time. I, again, I like to give, I'm a people pleaser person. Um, but you know, just learning to ask, well, Hey, can you share this content? Can you do this? I still you struggle to do help? 
like that's yeah, asking for help. With, asking for help. So you're giving you'd struggle to ask, hey, can you help me with something? Yeah. You're happy to yeah. give to help others, but you're oh, I am the first to ever, yeah. How can I help you? Um, but I think just the video piece, it was more of like in, it was intentional. It was intentional in that I needed to be more vulnerable, be out there, being able to get comfortable. If I can speak to my phone, you know, if I can record something to the phone, how am I going to go out there and speak to the world? Mm. Uh, so that was the first time. And I also started to say yes to every event that I was invited to speak at, even if it was 30 people or a thousand people, I said, yes, I will go there and then freak out after and then do it still. Um, so I think just even getting, you know, vulnerable, make, being open to sharing your story at a, a big stage, sharing with the people, you can take baby steps, but I think LinkedIn is a great start, especially if your audience lives there is to put yourself out there, share your story, even if it's crappy, even if it's from your perspective, people will find value. And then of course you'll learn like what's going to resonate. So I do my mentor Mondays. I, sometimes I skip one Monday and my team's after me, like they ping me, where's mentor Mondays? Shoot. So, um, but it's really around, even for mentor Mondays, the idea is to, of course, to build our, continue to build our brand of like, okay, because we had to basically rebuild the brand, not as the, networking app but as a mentorship platform a mentorship right so to build that there's been a lot of strategic pieces behind it and testing but also get out there do mentor mondays and this is content for people so it's not like oh we are amazing sign up right it's more like this is the difference of the last one that i did coaching and mentorship this is how we see it and people find value in that and then they share content right reaching out to people so i actually still have to release that but i interviewed at least, and I should have interviewed you and I will interview you um, to talk about, okay, how do you define mentorship? People who give a lot, how do you define mentorship? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I started to do. I started to reach out to all these people. I did a post, I got some responses from there. I followed up and then, you know, built, built a library of this is what this person says mentorship means. Because we, to, to become thought leader in a new space, pretty much, you need to build that credibility. I don't know everything about mentorship. I'm learning a lot, right? But it's so unique. And so anyway, so just even doing those types of things and then putting more content out there. If you don't know, you don't know and share that, you don't know. Ask for help. People want to help. And I also, one thing I started to notice, actually, Greg Smith, he's the CEO of Thinkific. Yeah. I, this is what, because I always used, everybody used to, um, Hussein, a lot of investors used to say, Humara, you're always on LinkedIn. When do you work? Like they used to literally worry. They used to That's worry work. like, oh, Chimera is not going to make it. She's just this marketing person, right? Who's just marketing constantly. Very interesting. Uh, that should be the thing that actually like, that's great. We, we have to push entrepreneurs to do more marketing. You know, Hussein, it's so different. Maybe it's Victoria, but I can tell you this was the negative constructive wow. feedback I that's got when I was looking to raise capital because Chimera doesn't do much. She just goes out there. Um, and so it's interesting. And now that I, wow, it's amazing because, and I, I held on to it. I was like, you know what? You don't get it's it. You. You're not the investor for me. And so it's interesting because I don't want somebody, my, a boss over my head saying, why are you doing another LinkedIn video? You should be doing the cold calling, right? Like, I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But I, I look at Greg Smith. And because his content shows up a lot on my feed now, because I engage with it a lot. So like every time he posts, I see it and I respond to it. And what, what is he doing? Exactly that. He says, 
this is the what number one quality of X. This is what we do at Think Effect. What do you do? And it's all around people building. It's all about other people helping them, sharing your vulnerability. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was just targeted for it. But for Greg, I was like, well, he is the CEO of such a big company now. He still is on LinkedIn every single day. He spends a lot of his time networking. And I think, so so it makes me feel good that that's the right path. And I would encourage everybody to get uncomfortable and do that. Ryan Holmes was the one of the top influencers on LinkedIn, and that's one of the reasons he got like that's way way at the start of uh, Hootsuite, and that's one of the reasons he got mm-hmm. like millions of people bri- driving them. It's an essential thing for an entrepreneur yeah. to be a marketer. So that's great. What is it? What does it look like? I mean, so many exciting things. Uh, so happy for you. Thank <laughs> knowing, you. Me too. Having having having. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Uh, having kind of uh, interacted with you at many different points in in that growth and having been like being able to witness a little bit of that journey. So uh, really, really lucky to have that and see the difference. What is next? What is what are the the big kind of uh, mountains you're climbing and the horizons you're after? And how can uh, people help you? What help do you need? Yeah, I mean, for us, um, it's been such a journey. And I think it's amazing because I remember, Hassan, every year uh, prior to this year, of course, I wouldn't take time off. I was still so stressed out. Like, you know, how am I going to fund the next year? Like, what am I going to do? I'm still a bootstrap, right? And it's hard. It's really hard. And I haven't taken a salary in three years. Um, So, but now is the time. So I think 2021 is when I get paid. Um, But it's interesting because every year it was just like, you know, what's next, what's going to be next year. And every year I had this optimism that this was going to be my year. And this is when we're going to actually make money. And so this year, now we actually have real numbers. Like one of the people that I started working with, um, with Locale, he's no longer with us or co-founder. He would always say like, Humera, you should be an Excel whiz. You should always be looking at sheets. And I was like, we don't have anything. It's all smoke and mirrors. And it is, it was, right? It's smoke and mirrors until you actually have real numbers, real sales, real churn, real like any number. And now that we do, I really want to, you know, sure, we still want to have those projections. We want to have those ambitious goals, but now we have something to work with. We know if we make 50 calls, we're going to sign five companies. We know out of those five companies, you know, we, there might be a few churn and that's because that the employee left the company or because they were let go. We know where the turn's coming from. And sure, you know, turn's inevitable and it might come in different ways where the company's like, you know what, I think we're all done. We're not going to do this. Then it's like, okay, why was that? So just even learning so much because we have learned so much and we'll continue to learn. We have a sense of how can we get to that 25K MRR? That's our goal for Q2 because that's our goal. And, and I know how we can get there. Um, and so work accordingly and plan accordingly. Um, and so I would say that definitely plan with a lot more knowledge than we had before. Um, and also, you know, continue to work with companies who invest in their people. And, and I always say this, I mean, yes, our platform is for women, but it's to, we are so far away from equitable future for women that I think even if we look around the market, there's over 50 million women working in North America alone. Right. So that's huge. But then we also want to go to Middle East totally because it's a challenge everywhere. 
So I think this market alone is big enough that I don't need to worry about men and, you know, all sorts of things. And it doesn't mean uh, technology can scale. Like once we take on that market, it'll be a lot easier for us to, I mean, because we do the matching, like our system does the matching and we do the matching. We don't have to worry about liability issues where networking had, where it's like, could be harassment. It could be used for dating. It could, it could just turn into something else. Whereas mm-hmm. this way, it's really intentional and our team does it and it could, it would be our technology doing it. So um, yeah, I think it's just really for next year, I'm going to take a year by year and not be like, oh, in the next five years, this is what we're going to do because guess what? It doesn't happen. So next year, we're really going to double down on what works really well. This year, we have tested a lot. We're even doing some paid acquisition to see if that works, you know, and just, just really, because it's so far, it's been organic and just double down on what works really well. And then when we get to our Q2 of 25K MRR, um, that is when I'm going to really see, okay, where do I want to take this company? Do, do I see this as, you know, maybe happy with $5 million in ARR and we're happy. We're all profitable. It's doing great. Life is awesome. Or do we take venture capital? and just go go at it right so at that point i'm going to worry about it um but for me it's like really thinking through until july of um 2021 and just making sure that our tech is built to scale um because right now there's still a lot of people stuff involved and just being transparent even with our clients that this is how we're doing it but this is this is where we're headed so if you know next month we ask you to create a profile on the app you're not surprised so I think it's just really doing what we do really well, just double down on it, simplifying processes, automating a lot of tasks, um, growing our team, but also um, at that point decide, okay, we have something that works. We're growing every month. How do, like, where do we go from here? Are you uh, planning to accept investment anytime soon? Soon, I, I mean, it depends on soon, right? So, so we've been actually introduced to a lot of investors through um, Microsoft Accelerator, which has been mm. amazing. I mean, a lot of Seattle, Oregon, Portland-based investors, which and, and they invest in pre-seed seed companies. And we would be looking at seed capital if we were to raise. Um, yeah, I mean, we're open to it. It depends on what, what do you bring aside from that capital? You know, can you introduce us to all of your portfolio companies? Can you, you know, and, you know, make at least one big connection that translates into all this like huge growth, you know, can you help us in other areas of like strategic partnerships? Because when we think of double-sided marketplace, strategic partnerships are so important. Like we're looking at, we're, we have partnered with Minerva VC Foundation for, to get the pool of mentors from there, because they also want to engage their alumni, right? And they have gone through leadership. So part, strategic partnerships. Um, can you introduce us to a strategic partner? You know, perhaps IBM has this women in leadership or KPMG has this. So basically, you know, can you help us with your network that helps us all grow than to just, you know, screw up the cap table and so you're looking for smart money, smart money. Yeah. After all these years of sand. Yes. <laughs> Initially good, I would good, take anything. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, Amira, as I as expected, a brilliant conversation. I really, really enjoyed every minute of it, and a lot of learning. And uh, I can I can probably talk to you forever, um, and I, I'm sure that you ha- you'd have even more to share. Really looking forward to see how your journey grows. Uh, where can people engage with you? Is it LinkedIn the best avenue? Yeah, to LinkedIn is the best. You know, okay. I think, um, and being also, I mean, yeah, I now have Hassan. I have over eight thousand followers. That's insane. So LinkedIn is great because you also get to really get to know me. I produce a lot of content. Um, and then if, if there's anyone that I can help, I am here to help. 
And, you know, if, if somebody wants to mentor with us, I would love for them to mentor with us. I mean, we're at this point, we're looking at women, but if any women are listening to this, I would love for, you know, to get a good group of mentors as well. So yeah, LinkedIn would be best, I would say. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great talking to you, Humaira. Um, and I look forward to the next interview when you're say, oh, we just raised this much and closed the 5 million ARR, you know, and all of oh that my God. And, and see how you look at your journey then. Uh, thank you very I, much. I'm sure it'd be amazing. Yeah. No, thank you so much for having me and having this conversation. Definitely good to reflect. All right, Humaira. Awesome. Well, thank Have you. Awesome rest of the day and a great yeah, weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Okay. Bye thank you. Bye.